Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Overcoming Emotional Eating. What really happens when we overeat? Physiologically, psychologically, in our brain, biochemically. There are a number of things that absolutely occur and we forget because we're in the throes of the emotion and the throes of the action that there's actually things that go on behind the scenes. That's what I talk about in this episode. Take a listen. And if you love what you hear, please share it with a friend. I'd love to help continuing to help people to overcome any facet of their emotional eating. Thanks for listening. All right. So as always, so excited to be here with you guys. And I'm excited about my topic tonight. I've toned it down a little bit in the past when I have talked about what I'm going to talk about today. I have gone really deep um, physiologically. And today I'm going to try to keep it a little bit more surface. And it's not because you all couldn't follow me. It's because I wasn't following it today. And sometimes my mind is really deep and loves the anatomy and physiology. And today I was looking at kind of, you know, the, a smattering of understanding of what happens when we overeat. And what I mean by that, a lot of times I'll focus on the emotional side of things and we can deconstruct and reconstruct that. But today I really wanted to talk more about what happens when we overeat physiologically? Because even if you haven't, you know, uh, you don't have a pattern of overeating, the chances of you having at least one time of overeating, whether that be at a Thanksgiving meal, a birthday party, another kind of celebration, it is pretty darn likely. It's rare that I find somebody that's never overeaten. And I'm constantly wondering as we come upon new research in the brain and the body, what is happening in the body when we overeat? Again, I, I focus so much on the emotional side, but I, I recognize that our body is what really is impacted by the overeating episode and not just in the way that I mean, oh, the calories, the amount of calories you take in and the weight, not even that, because I kind of don't care. I'm tired of the shame component around overeating and weight gain. And then if you gain weight, then here's the diseases that you're going to get. And aren't you scared enough to stop? That method hasn't worked since the 60s when people started to gain weight in the 60s and everybody started to put the fear of God in the people that were gaining weight, so to speak. I mean, not really religiously. I mean, it was more about, well, you, if you gain weight, you're going to get diabetes and you're going to get cancer and you're going to get heart disease and you're going to get da, da 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 And as we learned more about heart disease in the 70s and the 80s, that just became more and more piled on, so to speak, when someone gained weight. And so that now when somebody gains weight, they really know 
what can happen to them. It is so rare that I have worked with somebody or even talked to someone that is either in a pattern of overeating or in a pattern of weight gain or both that doesn't understand the physical ramifications of what could happen. Or maybe they're living in some of that, right? Like maybe you already have type 2 diabetes. So it's not that it's not a lack of knowledge. And so that's not where I want to go with today's call. What interests me is what don't we really recognize that goes on in our brain and our body when we are in a time of overeating? Because so often we really disconnect from our brain and our body during that time. Um, whether we're just so involved in, um, you know, so involved in the episode, so to speak, or whether we're just thinking about um, something else or whether we're in an emotional pattern, you know, any and all of that can be what happens, right? So, but I know that the brain is affected and has an effect on eating. And there's research that actually supports this. So we forget that our brain can be driving some of the boat, so to speak. We know, and I focus a lot on the emotional component of this, but where's the brain in all of this? Like what happens up there? And what we're learning more and more about is that we know that a higher caloric, higher fat diet can actually rewire your brain circuitry, which is really interesting to me. Encouraging overeating. Now, here's what the scientists are saying. Research is now showing that the pleasurable component of eating, and there is an unpleasurable component, right? But the pleasurable component of eating if done in the right way, so to speak, with the release of dopamine that happens can rank right up there with sex or even drug addiction. There's a component of what happens in the brain when eating is so pleasurable for a person that that dopamine goes so high that there is an addictive component. Now, it's not to say, and what I don't want you to get from this time, is it's not to say that you can't get over it, change it, and rewire your circuitry, because you absolutely can. But it is to say that the brain is involved here, which is why some people can't just stop. If you are reliant on this pop of dopamine, on this amount of dopamine release from eating, well, you can't just stop that because you don't feel good. Let's face it, dopamine is the feel-good hormone, right? It lights up the reward center of the brain. It prompts us to con continue to seek out the behavior that makes us feel so good. So if that overeating feels good to the brain, right, then we're going to seek that out. In one study in 2011, a journal of American Medical Association Psychiatry had 48 women. They were enrolled in a weight loss program and they were categorized according to their level of food addiction. And they categorized that based on the responses on a standard test. 
Now, the participants were then presented with a chocolate milkshake while their brains were monitored with an MRI. In the brain scans, the regions that were associated with anticipation of reward and motivation to eat lit up more dramatically in the women with higher food addiction scores than those with lower scores. Interesting, right? So we know that the brain is lighting up more for in this, in this research, right? More for the women that were more addicted to food. Oregon Research Institute also did a quote unquote milkshake study, which included 153 adolescents. It was published in the Journal of, the, of Neuroscience in 2015. And the, neuro, the researchers found that the reward-related regions of the brain were activated when the beverage was presented. So again, they're finding that the brain is like lights on fire. It's like, here's a milkshake, because we know that milkshakes elicit dopamine. More surprisingly, though, in what all of these kind of research responses, responses had found, there's a phenomena of decreasing reward. So here's what I mean by that. The teens who reported that they'd eaten ice cream frequently during the last two weeks showed less brain activation than those that it was a rarer pleasure for. So, for example, if somebody ate ice cream or milkshakes for the two weeks prior to this, that they've, they've had it a bunch, right? They've had it every day. And so their brain didn't light up as much as the people that hadn't had it in a long time. So what the scientists call that is a pleasure threshold. And what they mean by that is, you know, once you consume that and it gives you that quote unquote high level of dopamine, at a certain point, you're going to reach a threshold and you'll actually have to consume more to get that same dopamine pop, so to speak, that same dopamine high. And so that's what they're saying, which makes a lot of sense to me. I also recognize, and I have for a really long time, that if you do not find a way to get dopamine in your life without food, and you're used to having high levels of dopamine, you will have a really difficult time finding a passion and a purpose and something that you love to do that can elicit dopamine. Now that can be if you have a passion for food or you have a passion for horses or dogs or gardening. The truth is if you find your passion, you can find a way to get more dopamine, but you can't just rip out the food, so to speak, and not put anything in its place because you will not feel good. Anxiety will get higher. For some people, depression can ensue. And then most people find themselves being drawn back to the food when their dopamine levels are lower. Another 2015 study in the journal Neuroscience suggested that the neurochemical reward pathways associated with obesity may have more in common with those involved in opioid addiction other than other addictions. So I find that to be interesting, too, that they're actually kind of narrowing it down. Now, again, this is just what goes on in the brain, right? So that dopamine component is really integral in overeating. And we can't deny it anymore. So when you're trying to change your 
food and you're eating. And if you're used to eating a lot of ooey gooey, yummy uh, foods and you take those out and then you try to just go to like salads and grilled chicken, well, your dopamine levels drop. And after a few weeks, people can feel really anxious. They can feel really depressed. And that's why I always recommend trying to replace one, try and find some healthy alternatives to the ooey gooey foods so you can still get some dopamine. And then work with yourself or somebody else to find some passion, something that you love to do that will help your dopamine levels go higher. Now, here's the other thing that happens in the brain. We know that the brain pumps out a stress hormone that makes you eat. You may know that the brain can create cravings for comfort food when you're under duress, right? But now there's a new study by the researchers at University of Florida that found that fat on the belly and the thighs can send signals that can prevent the brain from turning off that stress response. So the result from that is you keep feeling hunger and eating more because you're just being told that you're stressed and you're not being told that you're full. There's some researchers working on how to break that response, but on the forefront, the first part of that, right, is recognizing when you're stressed, how you're stressed, and can you preemptively stop it? We know that drinking caffeine, coffee, tea, et cetera, things with high caffeine can increase stress response because of the caffeine. We also know that if somebody doesn't get out their stress in whatever way works for them, not just suppressing the stress, but really get it out, whether it be talking to someone, singing, dancing, I mean, you know, going to a kickboxing class, whatever that is for you, that that will help your brain and your body also to moderate that stress hormone that I talked about. So beyond the brain, besides the brain, there are also effects in the body that trigger overeating. And again, I'm not talking about gaining weight or disease or anything of that nature. I'm talking about what happens in the moment when you're overeating or before you're overeating. Now, there are two major hormones that affect hunger regulation. Ghrelin, which is spelled G-H-R-E-L-I-N, which stimulates appetite, and leptin, which suppresses appetite. When you haven't eaten for a while, ghrelin levels increase. That's why when you haven't eaten for a while, you start to get hungrier because these ghrelin levels increase. Now, after you've eaten, leptin levels tell your body that it's full. Here's the problem. What if one of those hormones doesn't work right? Overeating can disrupt the balance of these two hormones and throw those off. We know that eating foods high in fat, salt, sugar, release the feel-good hormones like dopamine, and those activate those pleasure centers in the brain. And over time, your body may associate those pleasure sensations with certain foods, right, which tend to be high, higher in fat and calories. And this process can actually override the hunger regulation. So you actually don't recognize leptin. So that leptin levels might rise, but you can override them because your dopamine levels are high. All of this is going on in your body while you're overeating. The human body is so amazing to me, more amazing every day I live. 
in what it deals with, how it helps us, what it does for us. And this, to me, is no no um, surprise. But every time I, I listen and I hear what the body does and how it does it, I'm astounded, like literally astounded that all of this is going on and we might just be eating a really big piece of cheesecake trying to figure out if we should stop or not. That's the interesting part about our body is that all these things go on and they go on silently. The sad thing to me is how often I hear people condemn and condone their body. And our body works so hard to keep us balanced. You can hear all the things that happen all the time in the body. And we don't recognize it. We don't trust it. We don't give it hugs. We don't give it love. And the truth is, is there's a lot of truth in understanding what it's actually doing for you and how much it really wants to help you in all ways. All of this is to say that you're in control, right? And you can change these outcomes by changing how you respond to your feelings or not responding to your feelings. So here's what I mean by that. If you recognize that you, uh, you know, keep moving into dopamine reaction, then try to find another way that you can get some dopamine. If you recognize that emotions are driving your overeating, then you've got to work on that emotional component, right? Whether it be stress, anxiety, worry, fear, frustration, connection, disconnection, all of that moves you into overeating the way you've got to deal with that. You don't have to just ride the brain and the body train in overeating. You've got to take responsibility for what you can own, right? It can impact how and when or even if you overeat, understanding our feelings, our brain, our body. You can change all of that. I've watched so many people change so many things about themselves over the course of my career. And this is no doubt you can do this too. So many people, however, most people don't understand that there's that physiological impact and effect in the brain and the body far different, right, than the effect on your weight and your calories and your disease and blah, blah. This is really important, right, to understand what's happening in my brain, what's happening in my body, and what can I do about that? There is an impact when you overeat on your total self, which is what makes the overcoming of it even more imperative. And obviously, the more you're in the overeating cycle, the more you're going to have these brain and body consequences happening. Strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't. Take a minute today and think about those things that you want to overcome. And if any of this has to do with you, whether it be your dopamine, your brain, your stress response, how you eat, overeat, then take a listen to this because it will help you really identify and understand what's happening in your body and what you can do about it, which truly is our own empowerment. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend, rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.